Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. How are you all doing? First and foremost, please, please check yourselves. I hope you're doing great. Uh, We are here for a brand new show today, and I am just so excited to kick this off. As if uh, y'all don't hear enough of me every day, guess what? You get a whole hour of me and an amazing co-host that I'm just so excited to really introduce y'all to. Get to know his voice. He's full of some very good insight and very exciting stuff. Brandon is uh, one of our newer faces on BTB, but uh, the thing is, is I wanted to give you the proper introduction because you have initiative. And here's the thing. We love initiative at BTB. We love the drive. We love the passion. And hey, he's your guy. He's here with good stuff. Brandon, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Are you so excited? I'm uh, stoked about this. Uh, I appreciate that intro. It was very flattering. I feel like you talked me up a little too much, but that's okay. I'll try and meet the expectations. Um, I'm feeling great because I've been very excited about this podcast for a very long time. I know I, I've talked to Jess in the past, you know, and she's great at what she does. So can kind of combining what we have for our knowledge and love of the Cowboys was awesome. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we will get into the week one loss uh, last night. Um, the Cowboys lose 19 to three. And uh, we don't want to damper that of our podcast debut, right? We want to be positive. No. We want to start this off on an awesome note. So I appreciate yeah. it. Um, sort of, you know, where my background kind of comes from. I reached out to RJ. I've written for the Landry hat, uh, which covers the Cowboys from time to time. And uh, you know, really just have the drive and passion for, for writing. That's kind of like where we kind of came up with this title for the writer's block. We want to promote writers in not only the Cowboys community, but outside uh, the community as well, bringing in some other writers and other perspectives. And I think that's the one thing that we want to do for you guys is really just make sure that you leave this podcast a little bit smarter, maybe a little bit more positive. I know the season didn't really start off positive, but hopefully you kind of Take away episode one of the writer's block and leave a little bit more uh, happy, I guess, is the best word to put it. Yeah. And so when Brendan and I were talking, we were talking about a concept for a podcast of, first of all, what do we want to name it? And what are we really passionate about? And something that we both really have, uh, I think, in common is the journalistic integrity of things. We can see things from a fan perspective and we can see things from a neutral, journalistic, realistic perspective. viewpoint because sometimes as fans we forget to be a little realistic and so what we want to do with this podcast is we really want to introduce you to some solid solid people in the Cowboys community that don't get enough attention and um, I think what a lot of people don't realize sometimes is how hard of an industry this is to break into because so many people are passionate about sports so many people love love doing what they do they just don't get the chance to get the recognition for it and so I'm all for making sure we get those people a platform to let their voice be heard. And especially when it comes to writers, not a lot of writers get podcast opportunities and get their actual voices heard. And so uh, behind a screen, they're so great to read and they're geniuses. 
and then you never get to hear them. So that's really what we want to do with this podcast. And so, um, you know, uh, it was just a great idea. It just kind of happened like that. And, um, yeah, so a, a little bit about me, if y'all don't know, um, I started out in local news and so I did weather, um, which is just so crazy to think. I I couldn't even tell you what the weather is outside now, to be quite honest. I could not tell you a thing. But uh, I did weather for three years, and then COVID hit. I always knew I wanted to move to Dallas uh, to cover the Cowboys in some way. I worked in a nonprofit for a year, took my year off to kind of get my feet on the ground, see how I wanted to do that, do all my networking. Um, in that time, I did some writing with Flurry Sports, so we take it back to, you know, the writer's block. I do have some writing experience. Definitely not as much as Brandon, though. I just want to throw that out there he's the writer between us two forever forever better at writing because he just has such a great mind with that um and then let's see i'm old i don't really remember what happened next where was i uh the writing right i did some writing and then uh during covid i kind of had a passion project with my first podcast the rowdy roundup podcast that really exposed my love for podcasting that i didn't even know existed eventually moved to dallas got a job here uh worked with the wings the stars and panther city which is the lacrosse team in fort worth did some promo stuff uh with the wings and panther city did pr with the stars and then all of that to say led me to messaging rj and shooting my shot there to ask if he had any opportunities with btb uh he did and then that's where the daily show came out of and then from there um you know rj and i really continued to talk about getting uh, a weekly podcast going um that came up eventually that opportunity came up and then i said hey i need a co-host and i need a really good co-host uh that's going to be fun to talk to and that's going to be easy to listen to here comes brandon at the perfect timing can i just say uh the absolute perfect timing and then uh as recent as a couple of weeks ago actually got my debut on dellscowboys.com so a lot of craziness constantly in my life but i love doing this i love talking about the cowboys it's just something i've always known i've wanted to do so here we are and we are now at the writer's block podcast which brandon i cannot believe it's our first episode but like you said let's keep this uh let's keep this as positive as as we can going into really the recap of cowboys and bucks and uh, to be honest, there's not a lot of positive things to say, right? So the recap isn't all too great, but I wanted to start out by asking you a few things. One, what was the key play that you really think solidified the Cowboys' loss? If you can think of one or a multiple, what were the times that you saw it and you knew, hey, this is going to hurt us later, if not contribute to a loss? And two, if anything that you learned preseason wise that we've been kind of following and tracking were those contributing factors all of the conversations during the preseason to why the Cowboys lost on Sunday let's hear it yeah I mean uh, I think that one of the first things I noticed while watching the game I mean the opening drive was was great it started off really strong I thought okay you know Dallas gets the ball I know probably a lot of fans wanted the defense to really kick off the game to really see how Dominant someone like a Micah Parsons could be against Tom Brady, but that didn't happen. Uh, the Bucks deferred probably smartly uh, to do so. And I think that, you know, it started off pretty good. They were getting the run game going. The offensive line was doing really well. And then really the trick play happened, the double reverse or what was <laughs> supposed to be the double reverse. And I'm looking and I'm like, wow, okay, you know, 
probably, I mean, I wouldn't have pulled out that, that play uh, on the first drive. You want to build a little bit of continuity and you want to build some sort of rhythm. And that to me seems like a play that would be later in the game, sort of something where if you're just trying to either pull ahead or try and pull out a comeback, that's the time to do it, not on the opening drive. And if you go back, right. I, I unfortunately rewatched the game just to prepare for the podcast Ooh. and everything, just trying my Gosh, best. Dedication. Uh, I'm trying. Dedication. See what I told you guys? Dedication. I, I couldn't rewatch it. I couldn't bring myself to do it. So kudos to you. Absolute uh, kudos to you. And as you're watching the play, the, the reverse happening, you see that almost like Dalton Schultz and Noah Brown collide into each other. And it releases Joe Tryon, and he just blows up the play. And you're looking, it's like, wow. I mean, it just seemed like that nobody really knew what was happening. And then also Dalton Schultz yeah. on that same play or the same drive, he's trying to go and block Antoine Winfield, and he doesn't push him far enough and doesn't sustain his block. And CeeDee Lamb runs into the back of him, and the ball goes over his head, almost like throws off the rhythm of, of catching the pass and going up for the field. So really, I have to say opening drive, there were a lot of positive signs, but then I started to notice like, okay, it seems like a little, a little bit out of rhythm right now. So I don't know if that's kind of like where you were seeing a little bit more of the hiccup start and where things started to go downhill for you, Jess. I mean, I don't know, cause you were, you were at the game. So tell me like, what was the vibe of the beginning of the game, you know, versus the end? Oh my goodness. Night and day. Let me say night and day uh, during the beginning of the game, you know, uh, Cowboys fans can be a little bit of a hit or miss when they're at home. It's either you're sitting next to one that's yelling and, and screaming, or you're sitting one that's on sitting next to one that's on their phone. But for the most part, that opening drive, everybody was, uh, of course, you're not supposed to be yelling when the offense is on the field. We know this, <laughs> but they were going crazy. They were excited to be there. There was some hope alive. We were like, all right, we have the entire game. It, this is as bad as we're going to look. It's fine. Oh, man, we had no idea. By the end of the, I would say, third quarter, the beginning of the fourth, people started leaving. And that tells you something. When Ugh. people are leaving an entire quarter early before the game's even over people started leaving um i believe at that point we had a little switch of momentum at the beginning of the fourth and then people kind of stopped and then they started leaving again so it was just night and day because at one point the stadium was really erupting when the defense was on the field i'm a little raspy today i'm a little hoarse today i was yelling at people to be yelling at you know yelling your your defense is on the field you should be getting loud and uh i feel like even the Bucks opening drive, the fans were doing great. So the home home field advantage was showing. Now, by the end of the game, it it was all Tampa Bay fans that were left. It really was just not it was not a game you want to experience in person. Let me just say it was not as fun as it sounds to be at that Cowboys game because that was that was rough. And so I think for me, going back to what you had said earlier about uh, the trick plays, look, Every, we got to be careful what we wish for as Cowboys fans because everybody has been hounding Callen Moore for more. Hey, give us more. We're tired of the same schemes. We're tired of seeing the same things. Okay, he does that. The first drive of the game, cool. It doesn't work out, but great. We're seeing something a little different. Not that I necessarily thought you needed to be that fancy early on, but then we stopped. And then we went back to the same thing. We went back to forcing the pass when it was not working, trying to force chemistry with Dak and these receivers. And so, um, you know, I, I really think the downfall of this game was obviously the offense as a whole. We know that. But I think it's the lack of chemistry, the lack of connection that 
we were sold really throughout the off season was there. And by what we saw, it's not. And that is the most concerning thing to me so far. Well, and you bring up the off season. And one thing that I think a lot of people have been talking about in Cowboys Twitter land today is, <laughs> you know, was the offense and the starters not being on the field during the preseason, maybe a reason why the offense didn't, they struggled uh, in yesterday's game. I know I have my take on that. I'll let you take first shot at that. You know, do you think that sitting the starters during the preseason, even if it was to just get one drive in, you know, just to get your kind of feet wet a little bit, to get that sort of contact again, I understand it's to prevent injuries, but do you think that sort of hurt them yesterday? I mean, to be honest, it's it's really hard to say because I only went to one of the open practices. And from what I saw by the end of that open practice, given that was the practice that Tyron got injured at, um, I kind of wanted, uh, maybe I'm the curse. Now that I'm talking about it, maybe I'm the curse. Oh my goodness. Well, we I do have the, the debut. We have the debut episode, everything. We're the ones I came on most recently. Oh, so not, not good juju. <laughs> I hope not, but... Um, by the end of the practice, I kind of said, that's it. And, and, you know, it just didn't seem long enough to consider it reps given I wasn't at all of them. So if I was at all of them, maybe I would have a little bit of a different stance on that. I don't think it kills anybody to have one or two reps in one of those games, the last game, the last preseason game, get them out there for one or two reps to make sure that that chemistry is there in an actual game time scenario, because practices don't give you that actual scenario. They don't have the crowd to that extent you don't have all of those factors and and you still had at that point the rookies that make up most of this offense getting jitters out help them get the jitters out with the quarterback that they're going to be following given little did we know that yeah that would be the quarterback they're going to be following for the most part however um i think they should have and and i kind of stood on that fence for a little while thinking we'll give them the benefit of the doubt seeing how they do this first game no no more benefit of the doubt. They should have had at least a few snaps. Are you on that same side with me or not? I, I understand it. I, I think that there, you know, there is always the worry of preseason injury that something significant yeah. is going to happen, especially when you're playing against guys who might not even really be making the team. They might be trying for the practice squad, so they might be trying a little bit harder. I know even in the Chargers game uh, this preseason when Chase Daniel for the Chargers came in in the fourth quarter and, and Mike Tafua came in and just obliterated him. He was kind of looking around like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the fourth quarter of a preseason yeah. game. Why is this guy playing so hard? But that's because he's trying to make the roster. So I get all that. I get the concern. But I think that for not being able to play from January – all the way until September, it, that's a long time to not see real game action. And because that there is mm -hmm. so much uncertainty with the wide receiver room, I think just even having those guys get the reps, like a Noah Brown, I mean, and we'll talk about him and his game, but even someone like a CeeDee yeah. Lamb, you know, you could see that there was just a little bit, I think maybe first game jitters that were kind of taking place. And he is that guy this season. And like I said, we'll get into it, but I, I do think yeah. that probably they should have taken a few snaps Maybe in just even if it was the first game against the Broncos, uh, you know, the Broncos first team, they were kind of, uh, you know, 
tiptoeing a little bit into playing into the preseason. I do understand that around the NFL, that's sort of a new way of thinking is just probably practice in these scrimmages against other teams. This way you can kind of control the narrative. The quarterback's wearing the red jersey where it's the non-contact jersey. And then you can kind of control the narrative a little bit more. So uh, whether or not that contributed to last night's loss, I think that there were a lot more things that came into play with that. I just think that the overall the team – might not have been as prepared coaching wise. It seemed like Todd Bowles had the best of Kellen Moore all night. Yep. Um, one yep. point was brought up on 105.3, the fan last night, and they said, regardless of all the injuries that took place on the field, it seems like the Dallas lost the game very early on before all the injuries yep. took place. I don't know if you agree with that. Oh, 100%. And I can tell you when they lost, it's when the first penalty flag was thrown. Because if you listen to any of my stuff, the one thing I will never, ever stop harping on is the number 127. And that's significant because that's the amount of penalties that the Dallas Cowboys had last season. And that is unacceptable. So this season, what is the first thing I was honed in on wanting to see? No more penalties, specifically no more penalties from veteran players, because yes, we understand as rookies, you're going to see, uh, you know, a few of those penalties and that's okay. I'm okay with that every now and then, not when it's dire to your game and it's impacting you the way it impacted them last night. And so I, I think a lot of that comes back to a discipline issue that at the end of the day, we were promised was fixed. We were promised was not going to be an issue. And yeah, we saw some of it in the preseason and by some, I mean the most preseason penalties to nobody's surprise continuing on to what the Cowboys did last season. But I really, really had hoped that going into at least this first game, we would see minimal penalties. But uh, something I talked about today on Girls Talk, Boys Talk is here's my thing. When you have a Terrence Steele who's given you three penalties, not just in an entire game, that's one thing, but three penalties in a row absolutely absolutely unacceptable when you are in a game like this and to me the lack of discipline shows in moments like that when you have a player being disrespectful really to his entire team three times in a row putting them in a position that is setting the entire team up to fail um and so i know being at the game at that point i was already frustrated uh, take him out. And and really, who do you have to back him up, right? So you don't really have options to do that. Make a statement. Is Mike McCarthy sitting for one, one drive? Make a statement. Say, we're not doing this. This is something that we said we were correcting. To me, that would have shown that we were correcting it. Instead, he got really nothing. He got he got nothing. He got more playing time. That's I, I just cannot agree with that style of of discipline, right? And and I just feel like there's no accountability um, really within the offensive side of the ball. The defense, that's our little shiny angel right now. So I'm, <laughs> no, for the most part, I'm not talking about the defense. I'm really honing in on the offense because when you look at what lost us this game, for that defense to hold Tom Brady to 19 points, we are lucky. We are lucky that we did not get blown out. And by we, of course, I mean the Dallas Cowboys, we're lucky that the Cowboys didn't get blown out of that game because it could have been a lot worse had the defense not been playing 
uh, close to, I, I think, their best ball. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You brought up the penalties. I was looking at it today. You know, eight penalties on the offense, two on special oh. teams, zero on the defense. And Dan Quinn was talking about that prior to us recording the podcast. Is You know, he was saying, like, it, it's it's something that they hold uh, a great pride in. You know, that that's something that they really, yep. you know, pride themselves on as being disciplined. And you can see, again, like you brought up, the difference between the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball is not what lost the Cowboys the game. And there were some offensive players, which we'll get into and teasing it a little bit later, where they actually stood out. There were some guys who did perform really well, but the defense is really what, what held uh, the, at least the game in some sort of uh, arm's length for a victory is that, you know, I was watching the game and I said, man, it's like if you can just hold them to this sort of kicking battle and just go back and forth, have the defenses kind of go against each other. We know the offense isn't going to be the absolute best, but, you know, if the defense can kind of stand strong and they did that for a while, Micah Parsons was unbelievable. You wore the right Ooh, jersey. Yes. You and your dad were yes. at the game. You guys wore number 11. <laughs> very proud. Um, and, you know, he, he just kind of made. He, he was the tone setter. That's the best way to put it. You know, he really set the tone for the defense. Um, and, and to look at how they responded when the Bucks missed the field goal, how they responded when Donovan Wilson got the interception. Like, to me, Oof. I don't know if you felt yeah. this way, and maybe the stadium felt this way. Like, it was such a lifeless interception to me. I think at that point it's like, ah, oh, man, this stinks because it's a little too late. I don't know if that was sort of the vibe that you had and kind of people around you. You know, it was weird because at that point, like I said, fans were really kind of getting over it and they didn't really have the vibe that they wanted to be there. It, it did bring more of a pulse. And, and I say that lightly because it was a very faint pulse, but it brought some of the energy back. But then again, you go back to the offense getting the ball where you should score and you go three and out. I, it, there's nothing worse than a momentum killer of that stance. When you have the defense producing, doing exactly what they need to do, they got you an interception and you're going to go three and out. I, I just, it is unbelievable to be quite honest. I, I've had to sit and fathom this all day that we saw the offense play as bad as they played yesterday. And I, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. I don't think the blame necessarily falls on one person in particular. I think there was a lot of contributing factors. Um, obviously, I think play calling is a big issue. I think that's been a big issue. I think Kellen Moore needs to be held accountable for the extreme lack of play calling that is in a scheme that's really fitting his offense because right now it looks like a puzzle piece that's just not fitting in uh, with who you have. So I think being a good coach means you adjust to what you have and the players you have given that again, this is a domino reaction. You go back to the front office. They really didn't give the Cowboys offense a lot of weapons over the off season, over free agency in the draft. Sure. We got a couple of people, but it was not going to build up on what we've lost during the off season with Lyell, with Amari. I mean, it, it's just such a broken record at this point. And, and then, you know, I think it's being outshined because of Dak's injury that Dak didn't play a good game either. And, and I'm going to hold him accountable. I'm a big Dak fan. Uh, I really, really would not want another quarterback. However, he needs to be held accountable and saying, dude, what is going on? What was that game? Because I'm sorry, that is the second time, and I, I'm even going back to uh, the playoff game against the 49ers, that Dak has looked like that. And, and that is not Dak at his best by any means. And this was somehow 
worse than what Dak looked like in the playoff game. Um, and, and to me, just it, it almost seems like a regression that is worrying me, and I don't think it has anything to do with injuries. I think it is a, has absolutely everything to do with the play calling not fitting uh, with with Dak and, and trying to force this chemistry with these wide receivers. You don't have a wide receiver one. I mean, what are we doing on the offensive side of the ball? You don't have anybody who's clutch for him. Who Who's the most clutch for him? Dalton Schultz, Noah Brown? They're not. Dalton Schultz isn't even a wide receiver. And Noah Brown is definitely not a wide receiver one. So it's just, I think as, as Cowboys fans, we have every right to be frustrated with the team today. And there was a lot of contributing factors. But, I mean, it's a new week. I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I think there's been a lot of negativity today and well-deserved criticism. It's just, it's been a rough day. Uh, and I, I'm right there with you. I'm sure everybody who's listening to this is right there with you too. And and I, I don't know, like I, I have felt over the past year and a half, and you can totally correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm reading this the wrong way, but it seems like Dak is almost like when the pressure's on the offense perform, he almost takes everything on his own shoulders and doesn't, want yeah. to almost like rely on the play calling maybe or the offensive weapons he has around him it just feels like that he presses too much and I think I if I, I remember he said last season that sometimes he feels himself pressing a little too much trying to do too much yeah. to carry the team and it just seemed yeah. like that last night like you mentioned I mean the interception that he threw it just it like that play was bad and then even the one where he was starting to roll out to the right and, you know, he's doing this double pump fake to to lower the defense towards him. And then Noah Brown's right wide open and he throws behind him. It's just and I could see the frustration on your face. And then, the, you know, for people who are listening, Jess is very frustrated right now. Uh, you know, it's it's just all of those little moments I see. I'm like, man, like we know Dak is great. You know, we've seen it. We've seen him play so well. The New England game, the, the Pittsburgh game years ago. And it's just. There's so many moments where we know yeah. that this guy can play to an elite level. But like you're saying, it's like he just seems like that he might be taking a couple steps back. I don't want to say he's injury prone. I know a lot of people have been no. saying that. I think that the, these yeah. are freak injuries. The ankle is a freak injury. Yeah. The the calf is a freak injury. The, the thumb injury is a freak injury. So I don't think that that is something that we have to worry about. But sort of this regression of, you know, is he trying to do too much? I don't know if I have a wrong read on that. No, I think you're spot on. And, and I think the problem is when you when you think of how, you know, this year and a half cycle you're talking about, think of how the team has really regressed since then. And I'm more so referring to this offseason. I think the O-line was not nearly as close to as strong as it will ever be like it was his rookie season. That O-line was built for Tony Romo when he stepped in. So, you know, you, you have to go back to, yeah, he looked great that rookie season because he basically had this giant wall in front of him that wasn't going anywhere. Um, and that O-line really has regressed over the years. And, you know, whether that be age, whether that be players that are gone, uh, players that have retired, whatever the case is, the O-line has not been to the status that it needs to be to protect your franchise quarterback. And no matter how young Dak is, Dak is still young. And a lot of people are quick to say, oh, he's injury prone. We need to get a new quarterback. It has nothing to do with being injury prone because at the end of the day, these are new injuries. Like you said, just completely, I don't even know how this guy has such bad luck. Uh, happenstance to, to occur. Uh, the, this thumb injury, just complete freak accident. The, the ankle. I mean, we saw how these all play out. We watched, and even when his ankle got injured, I remember 
watching it, not even believing what I was seeing because it just didn't seem like that kind of a, a play that would end in such a gruesome injury. Right. And, and the thumb, I even, I've watched that clip so many times today, trying to figure out how that much damage was done on his thumb in that play. And, you know, it, it's a freak accident really is what it comes down to. I, so I think Dak does put a lot of pressure on himself, but at the same time, something that I and my dad and I were really talking about at the game, and I want to bring this up to you is, okay, so we think Dak puts the pressure on himself, but when it comes to ditching the run, which we know works when we call the run, when we just continue to pound the run, pound to get Zeke out of there and interchange, Tony, Zeke, mostly Zeke, because let's be honest, we saw a little bit of a too much Tony Pollard last night. Didn't really work out well. Uh, and, and um, you know, who's calling that off? Who's calling off the run to rely more on the pass game? Is that a Dak call or is that a Kellen Moore call? Or is it both? Because I don't think it has to just be one or the other. But whoever that is, it, whatever the case is, it needs to be addressed. Because when that started, and, and I really think, you know, you're going back to a year and a half ago, to me, to me, it was the Denver game. Yeah. And and yep. and that we've never recovered from that. It, it's it's like it's it's something mental. And and I think even going back to the ankle injury for Dak specifically, he had to learn to play a, a brand new way. Completely brand new way because he couldn't just kind of be careless at that point with his body and understanding, you know, the the mentality of a player of after that kind of injury that just happened you can't tell me you just go back out there and play the same as you did before it happened. That, I, I don't care how professional you are, how many years you've been playing. To me, that just doesn't sound real. So what is your take on that specifically? Because it was an interesting conversation with my dad that I meant to bring up to you earlier. I wrote this down uh, mid-game. I was like, run game. And I'm underlining, you know, I'm like, <laughs> where is it? You know, we've been told, you know, throughout the preseason, oh, run, running the ball is our identity. Running the ball is yeah. our identity. And you know what? They said it so much, I believed him. And on the opening drive, I was like, you know what? They are very dedicated to running the ball. Now, maybe the Connor McGovern injury, you know, and we'll get into the list of injuries in a second but maybe that you know changed their mentality a little bit I just think that you, it's going back to bad habits right I think that last yeah. year when they were down and behind it was okay let's abandon the run game let's just pass you know I mean the reason why uh Dak you know everybody was talking about MVP type season last year is because in opening week he was thrown for almost like 59 60 passes so you know it's just it's it's sort of like a creature of habit for them where if they feel like that they're losing the game and, and falling behind it's like all right well who's the superstar on our team well Dak is the heart and soul so let's lean on him but Zeke I felt like just in the second half just disappeared I mean the guy only had 10 carries and he was doing really well you know uh Mike Gelkin you know for Dallas Morning News he posted uh, uh something on Twitter today where he was like Zeke was doing really well early in the game it's like the guy showed up and actually showed some sort of confidence that he's back to old Zeke and then all of a sudden they just got rid of it. And like you said, maybe they were trying to get Tony Pollard too involved. I just think yesterday it was just uh, being a little too cute, you know, and when people yeah. hear this, you know, Sunday, it, I just think that, that Kellen Moore and his play calling style is, you know what, let's just try and be creative as much as possible. And I don't think you can be as creative when it comes to running the ball. Maybe it's sort of this old adage of, Oh, he can't do the, the easy things. Well, can't game plan for the easy things. Well, and, you know, I, like I said, I don't know if it has to do with the Connor McGovern injury. It seemed like Matt Farniak, 
Matt Farniak stepped right in and, and played pretty well. Um, I just think it's just like relying on old habits a little bit too much. And, you know, you, you brought up the injuries because I know that this is probably the main thing that people want to hear about is, you know, Dak had a surgery today. The estimated time frame that Todd Archer brought up is about six to eight weeks, which is an absolute killer. Um, you know, I think the estimated time frame for a lot of people when Jerry Jones was talking last night was like weeks. And for me, being yeah. very confident and optimistic, I'm like, oh, okay, four weeks. That's not too bad. You know, it's not you half the you season. You were being very confident last night, and the rest of us were not. And you were you were trying to be such a bright light, and I appreciated it so much. But, yeah, that kind of surgery is – the thing is, it would be bad enough if it wasn't his throwing hand. Yeah. It's his throwing hand. Yeah. So it's kind of um, like any any injury, and, and we saw this with even Chris Godwin on the other side of the ball. You bring a player in too early – and you risk re-injuring, it's, it's almost worse, right? And and so, yeah, I, six to eight weeks, that's, oh, man, I, I don't like that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So outside of the DAC injury, because we know how severe that is and we'll get into it, but the, the Connor McGovern injury, high ankle sprain, estimated about two to four weeks. J. Ron Curse, you know, uh, an MCL, a knee injury. It doesn't seem like there's any structural damage, but estimated about two to four weeks. He left on crutches. And then Terrell Basham, you know, not really sure on what's going on with his quad injury right now. It looked like, I mean, he wasn't able to walk off the field when he collided um, at the quarterback. So I don't know. In your opinion, out of those three, between McGovern, Curse, and Basham, which one is going to be missed the most? Oh, that is hard. Um, I'm going to say McGovern because the O-line's already struggling. Um, the defensive side of the ball, I don't really worry about even when it comes to their backup players. It's the O-line where we're already sparse enough and we're already struggling enough. Although I did want to bring this up and, and I, I kind of brought this up through the game on, on Twitter is Tyler Smith. Everybody was so honed in on him the, you know, last week saying, Oh, he's, he's going to be awful. They're not even giving this guy a chance. And he actually played a better game than most of the veterans out there. So to me, that tells me how keyed in he was improving a point and shutting everybody down to say, hey, um, I was ready. I've been ready. I'm studying. I'm learning. I'm absorbing, uh, you know, everything that I can. And I think especially with Jason Peter- Peters coming in, I think that really, really uh, helped him a lot. So I'm going to say Connor McGovern only because the offensive side of the ball does not need to lose any more people. Dak was quite enough and and I'm really worried for the O-line. Um, I, I was already worried for it with Dakin, and now with Cooper Russian. I am even more worried for that because, oh, that's just – that's not going to be a, a fun time to watch. That fourth quarter, already trying to watch him. Oh, man, it was just not a good – it was not a good time. I'm telling you, that game was not a good time to see in person. Uh, couldn't, couldn't tell you how much of it I actually was honed in on. But uh, to answer your question, Connor McGovern, because uh, – I'm worried about the offensive side of the ball. What about you? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, like you said, we can't afford to lose that many pieces on the offense. And it just seems like, you know, between Tyron Smith, 
uh, Dak Prescott, now Connor McGovern, you're losing all these important pieces. And I mean, they, you know, for someone like Connor McGovern, we heard throughout the training camp that he was the guy, you know, he was beating out yeah. uh, Tyler Smith. And we just thought that that was coach speak, trying to keep things hidden for the depth chart on opening game. But really what he was showing last night on the opening drive, I was actually encouraged. I said, wow, this guy is probably going to be taking a step forward. And then now it's like one step forward, 17 steps back. And it's just unfortunate because it seems like every time Dallas sort of moves in a positive direction, something always happens. And you brought up, um, you know, we brought up the Dak injury. The locker room seemed like it was just an absolute, uh, like everybody was so depressed and just down and, and doom and gloom. And, you know, there was an interview and we'll get into this one player before we move on. Um, CeeDee Lamb was, was asked about Dak Prescott's injury and sort of his reaction. You could just tell by listening to him, his tone and voice. And I want everybody to kind of hear how he reacted to the Dak injury. Nah, I ain't know that, but now I do. What are your thoughts with this offense moving forward Got to be better. Uh, I mean, he's still going to be there, Spirit. And um, it's not like we're losing him for the rest of the season, but until then, we just got to hold our heads up and keep it moving. So when you hear CD, he's he's at a state of shock because, you know, nobody really knew what was going on with Prescott in the locker room. And then, you know, of course, Jerry went on and said that Dak is going to be missed for a few weeks. And uh, Jane Slater actually put out a funny uh, tweet, you know, her reaction of hearing the news. And it's just everybody was just shocked. And, you know, part of that plays into how open Jerry could be with the media with with a lot of these things before kind of finalizing like the details of an injury. But CD had absolutely no idea. He actually uh, had another soundbite that I want to play, which hopefully doesn't become a drop for the rest of the season. But well, that sucks. That, that was his reaction. He's like, man, that, that sucks. I, I, I don't want to hear that, you know? And, and CD, you know, the, the reaction that he had was really down. He had his hood up in, in the post game and in the locker room. And I just felt like that, you know, this guy, he, all we heard all offseason, even beforehand, it's like he's the dude. He's the guy that's going to step up. Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson are both yeah. gone. And he's supposed to be 88. You know, he wears that on his shirt, on his jersey, every single time he plays. And, you know, it just seemed like that, he, as soon as he dropped like the first two passes that were thrown to him, it seemed like that he kind of psyched himself out. I don't know if, if that's something that you saw. Yeah, yeah I think uh, to be honest, I don't think it was just CD. I think that was the entire offense as a whole. It's hard to psych yourself up when, you know, nobody else around you is, but I, I think CD has been in his own head because I don't think we've seen a primetime CD yet. And, the only person really stopping CD at this point is CD. I, I think he's capable of stepping more into a wide receiver one role. I just don't think he was ready this season. And and I say that lightly because I want him to be. And and I, I think all of us want him to be there. But really, I, I think what we're working with are two wide receiver twos. You have no brown you have CD and then that's who you have right now. I don't know if Michael Gallup will be a wide receiver one uh, or step into that role or try to, but I do think that even if he was going to, he's coming off of a pretty serious injury. And like I just mentioned earlier, you don't want to push him too hard. You don't want to overexert him and then risk getting him injured again. So I think really the entire offense needs to figure something out. I think it's just not working. It is just 
absolutely not working. There's no chemistry. It looks forced. And it's just so odd to me because you hear these guys talking about each other in the locker room, how, you know, I have so much respect for this guy and I listen to him and, and he's helping me here and here. I believe it. I believe all of that. I, I think they all have the initiative, but when, when push is coming to shove, they're on the field. I'm not saying any of it. So I don't know. I, I definitely think CD has um, really a lot to prove uh, really more than I think anybody in the offense. I'm going to go on a limb here and say more than anybody on the offense right now, because he just didn't look like a wide receiver. One, he had 11 targets. Two of those were catches. Uh, it, and I, it, it I was, just can't, that's not accept, acceptable. It was unbelievable to see, you know, Dennis Houston have a better stat line, you know, at least through at least either the whole game or the first half. I was like, man, it's just, it, it's not what we were told. Um, and, yeah. you know, now he's not going to have Dak thrown to him. So it's like they, whatever chemistry they had in the offseason or were trying to build upon, you know, that's the thing. It's like after you lose a game like this, and even Dak said in his press conference, like he wanted a chance and an opportunity to respond to this game, and now he won't be able to. Yeah. But he's going to have Cooper Rush, and we saw Cooper Rush play against Minnesota last season, something positive. And uh, in the locker room, Cooper Rush was asked about how he feels about going into this game, to the game plan playing against the Bengals this week. Yeah, that's that's the job of the back. If you got to go in, you got to make things click as if you know four was in there. And um, we'll draw on that experience last year, big time. Um, you know, get my feet wet last year and getting out there tonight. Um, you know, we regroup as a team and a group on offense, and uh, we'll be all right. So before we move on, Jess, I want to ask you right now, as we sit Tuesday morning, uh, what is your confidence level in Cooper Rush heading into Sunday against the Bengals? Oh man. <laughs> uh, are we doing a scale of one to 10? I like wh <laughs> what's our scale here? <laughs> uh, you can go below one if you really feel like it. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and, and hate on Cooper rush because very much similar to the position Dak was in. It's, it's really not his fault that he's in the position he's in. I, I don't put blame on Dak. I don't put blame on Cooper Rush or any quarterback that has to step behind that line at this point. I think we know where the blame falls for how or what they're not working with this season. I would say my confidence level is probably about a four. Um that's pretty generous. And, and that's me that's me being nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what and really it's because I I think it would be different if he was a rookie, but he's not. He's more established in the locker room than I think people give him credit for. I think a lot of the offense does have the respect for him that they don't necessarily have for Dak. They they have respect for him as a quarterback. And I think when you at least have that to work with, when you've at least worked with him for most of training camp, because keep in mind, he was getting most of those backup reps throughout training camp anyways, because Will Greer was injured for a little while there. And then even when he came back, Cooper Rush really never gave up that QB2 position. He was getting the second reps right in. So I think I would be a little more worried if it wasn't for that. And I'm just trying to be optimistic at this point, because I think I could easily hop on the train of saying, oh, we're not going to win any games until Dak gets back. I'm not going to do that to him. I'm going to give him a fair shot. I'm going to say my confidence level is at a four. Reluctantly, but like I'm trying to just be positive here. Um, what about you? What I, about you? I give it a, a 4.25. And uh, oh, it, wow. it's, <laughs> uh, the, the 0.25 is a little bit 
because we see, the last impression we saw of Cooper Rush in a regular season game was the Minnesota game last last year. And maybe he just mm. like plays really well when the lights turn on. I remember that was Dak's biggest problem coming out as a rookie. They said, oh, he's not that good in practice. But then the minute he, it was time to play, the guy was really good. So maybe yeah. that's the, the thing with Cooper Rush. Maybe he's not, not that good in practice and in training camp. But, you know, he was 7 for 13 last night, 64 yards. He didn't look terrible. Like, it wasn't like it wasn't no. that bad. I mean, the, he was taking shots down the field. He was overthrowing guys. Semi Fajoko has to come up with that ball, uh, it, yeah. you know, especially in, in, like, garbage time like that. Like, you want to show at least a little bit of, of talent, you know, and, and show that you can be a legitimate wide receiver in the NFL, and especially for a guy who hasn't gotten that many chances. But, you know, we, maybe we'll yeah. get into that next week. But – it just I, I, I give him a little bit of credit. I think that the coaching staff, you know, he's been in the system for a very long time, so he knows the system really well. Yeah. Like you said, he's worked with these wide receivers uh, all offseason, being the guy working with the backups. So someone like a Dennis Houston and Noah Brown, he's very familiar with. So that's the hope going into this game. Whether or not it actually happens, not too sure. Uh, but to kind of turn it a little bit uh we, we like games both you and i we have already talked about this this is something that we <laughs> want to implement into the podcast especially when you have down weeks like this we want fan engagement we want you guys to debate and, and talk about what we say and whether we're right or wrong but we also want you to play along too and one of the things that i started last week is sort of this uh player roster power ranking and it sort of like takes the top 10 players uh after a game and see where they stack up and we're going to do a point system throughout the season jess has her list i have my list which i'm right usually 100 percent of the time we'll see what happens uh but you know it's just i just feel like that my takes are just a little bit no that's okay uh no you know. i i really feel like your list is is going to be pretty spot on with mine only for this week though and, and yeah. that's because it was it was hard to put a list together because of the kind of game it was. So I think if our lists are going to align, this will be the only week it does that. So I'm going to agree with you this week and say, yeah, your list looks great because ours are probably very similar. Well, and I know when you and I were talking, it, it's tough to pull, you know, 10 players from a game like this went all around. It just yeah. wasn't that good. But, you know, like I said, we're going to rank them. Uh, we're going to put points to it this way. By the end of the season, we'll be able to see which players stood out the most. Even if the season ends in a losing record, at least there are going to be some positives uh, moving forward. So starting at yeah. 10, 9, and 8, who are your bottom three players that you took away from this game? Okay, so number 10, I had Dalton Schultz. Number 9, I had Noah Brown. And number 8, I had Trayvon Diggs. Wow. Uh, I think a, a I little think... controversial. I know. Yeah. I, I like to stir the pot. In case you didn't realize that already, I like to stir that pot. And here's the thing that'll make a little more sense as we continue going up the list. But I couldn't have Dalton Schultz on there without having Noah Brown because technically Noah Brown did have more of the receiving yards. It's just look. I had to add some offensive players on this list. I couldn't just add all defensive players, you guys. But Trayvon Diggs, I had an eight because I don't think it was his best game. To be honest, when when you look back, I, I think he he missed a lot of opportunities. I think that touchdown, kind of on Trayvon for, for giving up seven. Uh, at the end of the day, though, like you can't blame him. He's doing all of the hard work. He's. I, I just think there was some blown coverage on his end, um, but that's why he's at eight. Um, 
I, I was also kind of expecting an interception at some point from him. So I was a little disappointed we didn't get that. And and he had opportunities to do it. I just that's kind of my reasoning in that. But what about you? What are, who are your bottom three? Man, I feel like I'm going to get a lot of hate because this article. It, it, I do this every week. It'll come out you know the same day today that the podcast airs, and uh, I got. A lot of good responses from fans last week. A lot of people were saying, you know, that it seemed to line up. I feel like this week my list is going to be completely off. Uh, at 10, 9, and 8, I had Brian Anger, the punter. I had Brett Maher, the kicker, giving, giving some love to special teams. And 8, I had Osa Odigizua. Um, and I can see uh, again, for people listening at home, Jess's reaction is uh, very in shock and awe. Uh, I just thought, you know, when it came for Brian anger, you know, the guy second team, all pro last season as a punter, the reason why, if you go back to the Las Vegas Raiders game, that, that it was even close was because he was just swapping field position all day. Um, you know, all five of his punts were in, uh, like 30 yard line or closer to the end zone for the bucks in their own territory. So he did a really good job. I thought Brett Maher, you know, coming into the season, we didn't know what to expect. I know he's your guy now. We got to give him some love uh, until he breaks our hearts. And, you know, kicking a 51-yard field goal will do that. Yeah, and, and according to NBC's, you know, little cam that they have in the stats, you know, it said it was good from 60. So it seemed like it was a very good kick. It gave me confidence in him. That's why I want to put him on the list. And then Osa, I, I think that he did a really good job of freeing a lot of, uh, you know, Micah Parsons throughout the night. I thought that when it came to, uh, you know, run defense – when it was at him directly up the middle, he did a really good job. He was in the backfield a couple times too. Uh, I think that the overall run defense as a whole wasn't the absolute best, uh, but I felt like he was a bright spot. So I don't know if you agree or disagree with me. You might have Brett Maher a little bit higher. Who knows? You know what? He is my best friend. So I think you're going to have to wait and see. Oh, okay. Uh, I like I agree it. or disagree with you on the rest of my list. So what are our next numbers we're, we're going for? So seven, six, and five. I actually had Dalton Schultz and Noah Brown at seven and six. So I had them a little bit higher than you did. Um, mm-hmm. Dalton, Dalton Schultz, like I said, he struggled on the first drive. And I, I really, I thought about keeping him off the list to kind of go back to yours. Trayvon Diggs to even make my top 10. Um, because I do think that not only he had a couple good plays but for the majority of the night it's sort of like you expected more out of him the expectations going into the season were just a little bit higher and it was just more of a disappointment uh but Noah Brown I'm putting him at six I actually originally had him higher uh because he was the leading receiver but I'm keeping him sort of middle of the pack because I like what I saw from him I think that the expectation going into this game was you know he's a guy who hasn't performed really well he was more of like a depth dude throughout the season uh, throughout all of his seasons with the Cowboys. And, you know, he showed up five receptions for 68 yards. He's He outperformed CeeDee Lamb. And what I like from him is when he caught the ball, he was up the field. You know, he didn't really hesitate trying to juke people out, which a lot of people try and do. And, you know, he, he was catching first downs all day. And then for five, I had your guy, Donovan Wilson, which I'm sure there's going to be a lot of love uh, for him a little bit later. But I thought Donovan Wilson had a great game. He was all over the field. If you intercept the GOAT, you have to be on the list. Um, And he actually, you know, hit the quarterback a couple times, too. So I thought he had a really good job or did a really good job as a safety. Yeah, no, I agree. And and it's funny because one of our one of our our uh, list, our names actually matched up at the same spot. So starting with number seven on my end, I had Matt Farniak. And and I think that's because he he did step up and he had a pretty good game. Um, given that doesn't say much for this game, but (laughs) we're 
being positive. Um, number six, I had Tyler Smith because like I talked about ever, um, last week, or like I talked about earlier from last week, all everybody had to say was negative things about him. Yeah. And I think he really stepped up as much as people want to say he didn't, aside from the one penalty, which was expected, and I'll let it slide because it was one penalty and he fixed the problem. I thought he did a pretty good job protecting Dak on the blind side. I, I mean, really, what more could you have expected from him with the circumstances he was put in? Number five, I had Donovan Wilson. Nice. Uh, I like it. We, we matched up at five. And again, I, I was just – that's not a name that you're used to really hearing on the defensive side of the ball anymore. I feel like Donovan actually has faded away. And, and you really kind of forget he's there sometimes, but his presence was very known. Um, I, being at the game, just kind of honed in on him after a while. And I was like, dang, he looks really good. So good for him there. Um, yeah, I, I think we're we're on the same page here. I agree with your takes. I'm just, I'm, I'm interested to see how, how these next numbers line up. So what's next for us? So it, it's like you're saying, it's tough to pull uh, 10 names from a game like this. Matt Farniak yeah. was actually in my honorable mentions uh, section. Okay. And, you know, like you said, he, <laughs> he stepped up. Um, he definitely performed really well. He was great in the preseason. I thought he actually uh, might have been able to take a couple snaps at center um, and be yeah. a little bit more competitive at that position. Um, but for four, three, and two, uh, we I think might have the same names, but a little different. Um, four, I had Zach Martin, you know, I mean, the guy has been uh, a staple of the offensive line for so many years. He did actually a really yeah. good job graded out as the best, um, pass blocker, uh, for the Cowboys, according to PFF. And, um, for three, I had actually Zeke Elliott. Um, I thought he did a really good job. And if he had more opportunities, I feel like that the game would have been a little bit closer. And I feel like because of that, he did an awesome job early in the game and then just sort of disappeared. Um, and number two, I had Tyler Smith. I know he was a little bit lower on your list, but I think because yeah. of the fact of what you said, the expectations going into this game is that the guy is not going to perform well. You know, everybody was clamoring for Jason Peters to start the game, you know, rush his, his sort of, uh, entrance into being a cowboy. And he just did really well outside of, you know, the couple times. And yes, people will probably hate on me because, you know, he is the reason why Dak is injured in the first place. Uh, if you go back and watch the, the, the snap, the particular play, uh, Shaq Barrett is right past him now. He's, he's not even out of his stance yet um, for, for Tyler Smith. So I understand that people might look at that and say he doesn't deserve to be on the top 10 because of that. But I look at it as the expectations were so low that he just yeah. exceeded everything. And I think now there's the conversation of when Jason Peters is ready to go, maybe Jason Peters could play left guard and maybe at right yeah. tackle. It's like you can kind of see the potential now and say, okay, Tyler Smith, he showed that he could be a left tackle at the NFL level. Now where do we go from there? So I don't know if you agree with him being that high and, and Zeke and, and with Zach. Yeah, so as far as Tyler Smith goes, I think – he really set the expectations to, like I said, show everyone, hey, this is my job. This is what I was brought here to do, allegedly. Uh, you know, this is this is what this is what I want to say. And, and this is my statement. This is what I'm gonna show everybody. I agree. I, I just my list is you'll see. It makes more sense as we go to the top. Zeke actually didn't make my list. Oh. And a little spoiler oh. alert. Zeke didn't make my list. And and here's the thing he was initially on my list and, and he's a name I took off only because if we're looking at things from a production standpoint, I understand why he didn't produce. Trust me. I get the backside of it. I get the play calling, 
the the O-line, I, I understand that part of it. But at the end of the day, you only had 10 touches. I can't give you an honorable mention because of that. And I know that's not his fault. I know that. I get that 100%. It's just if we're looking at numbers, if we're looking at productivity during this game, he wasn't productive. And again, I want to preface that by saying <laughs> I know why he wasn't. Uh, but that's why he didn't make my list. And so Zach Martin actually... Uh, he is he is on my on he is in my list at some point. Um, so let's start with that. So number four for me was my best friend Brett Maher. Uh, he, he's the only one that put points on the board throughout the game. That's so very true. That's very up? true. And my my bar was a little low for him. Uh, you know, as as uh, everybody knows, I I was not the happiest when when Brett Maher's name was brought back into the mix, but. Here's the thing, watching him warm up, and, and I've seen this twice now. I saw it at the open practice at the star, and I did see it during warm-ups, even during the game. He was nailing those field goals. Yeah. He looks good. He As much hate as people want to give and as much as I joke about it, he looks really solid, and he looks really good. He's nailing out those 60-yarders from the side of the field that has the sun coming in AT&T Stadium with the sun in his eyes. He made a 60-yarder look like nothing. Um, and and I can appreciate that. I can respect it. And like I had mentioned when he made the roster, you know, I'll cheer for him all day, every day. So this whole bestie gimmick, I really, I want him to do well because if anything is going to go like it did, we might have to rely on him to make those 60-yarders. And I didn't want to be in that position again, but here we are. So Brett Maher is number four. I actually had LVE at number three. Wow. And, I I know I'm full of surprises apparently with this list because (laughs) here's the thing LVE really was up for debate last season of why do we have this guy yeah and it was it was almost like a Jalen Smith 2.0 situation where it was like dude why are you still here what are you even doing you know and and then his his reoccurring neck injury also doesn't doesn't help right so here's the here's the other thing LVE is on a contract year he has something to prove and he came out of this game showing exactly why he wanted to stay and why they should keep him on this contract year. Only on, what, a one-year deal? I mean, this guy has something to prove. And I haven't seen LVE play like this in a minute. I'm talking a couple of years. He has not had a game like this in a while. We saw glimpses glimpses of it during um, the 49ers game, I think. But, man, he, he, he looked like a brand new LVE during this game. And and I really want to continue to see him build up on that. He was all over the place. And again, we have not seen LVE play like this in a minute. So I was really excited for him personally. Uh, I put him at number three. Number two is Zach Martin for me. Uh, how could you not? He was holding down the offense. <laughs> it almost seems like by himself during this game. And he's just the GOAT. So I have Zach Martin at number two because how could you not? Uh, how could you not? He He's just, he's the guy. And um, when when somebody like Zach Martin does not have a penalty to his name on a team that has nothing but penalties to their name, respect, my guy, respect. So, yeah, that's my four, three, and two. I have Brett Maher, number four, LVE, number three, and number two, Zach Martin. Well, you know, I, I, I think our number ones are kind of lining up. I, I think I already know. I have some takes on, on your, your <laughs> two, three, and four, and – uh, hey, listen, I'm right there with you with Brett Maher. I guess maybe I didn't give him enough credit for scoring the only points in the game. Maybe I should have. But, hey, listen, maybe it's something with wearing a number 19 in a Cowboys uniform. It makes you perform really well. Um, you know, I mean, it, 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Should have not have gotten rid of Mari Cooper, but that's a topic for another oh, day. Oh, and yeah. uh, salt in the wound, salt in the wound. But, Too soon. Yeah, I know. But you know what? With with <laughs> Zach Martin, I I think that the reason why someone and I wanted to put him on this list, I thought you might have had him if I didn't. But Tyler Biotish, I think, is another honorable mention. Uh, Vita yes. Vea gave him a lot of trouble last year in the same yeah. game, and he actually played a very good game. Uh, I give him a lot of credit, but I think that also has to do with playing next to Zach Martin. And unfortunately for Terrence Steele, maybe it doesn't work out for him. Uh, but, you know, for Tyler Biotish, I thought he played a pretty good game. So he's an honorable mention yeah. for me. LVE, I wanted to put him on the list. I I wanted to put him a little bit lower. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence is also somebody I had as an honorable mention. Yeah. But LVE, I, I, I see what you're saying. And maybe actually being at the game, you saw a little bit more than I did. I know from watching at home, there were a couple plays where he tried to jump the play a little too soon and his read was off and Leonard Fournette was just running past him. But Leonard Fournette is also a, a big bowling ball, you know, running past everybody. So uh, maybe it wasn't on him. Maybe it was just the alignment of the defense. But number one, I think we're in, in both agreement on this. Uh, my number one is Micah Parsons. I'm sure I read your mind, and yours is also number one for him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Our number one lined up. And, and how could it not? I mean, that just makes the most sense. You have two sacks on Tom Brady, and that's hard to do. To get one sack in one game on Tom Brady – that's hard to do, but man, Micah Parsons went in there bullying him. And this is what I said needed to happen from the beginning, from the get go, you bully and you bully and you make him feel that pressure until you get in there. And Micah Parsons kept doing that. And even after his last sack, he continued to put pressure on Tom Brady, oh, yeah. noticeable pressure until the last snap. And that's what I can appreciate about Micah is I can't say the same for every single person on that team, especially that fourth quarter, right? I can't sit there and say they were all giving 100% knowing that they lost, right? And that's hard to do. That's hard to do as a player. That's hard to do as a coach. Micah was not stopping. Even at that point, I was I was watching to see, like, who's quitting, who's throwing in the towel. And most of them were. I mean – even the fans were, nobody was in there. And Michael was still going and going and going. And he wanted something in that fourth quarter, given it didn't happen, but he didn't stop trying. And to me, that's what makes him so special. And, and that is what makes him the face of this franchise. I, I just cannot believe the amount of hate that Micah Parsons got I, <laughs> after the draft last season. <laughs> I I would hate to be a roommate of his if he had a roommate because the guy seems like that after he loses a game, he just like is angry, just mad. And, yeah. and but we like that though. We like that for him. Yeah. Like good is not good enough. Uh, yeah. And you know, a, a reporter poor guy was asking him at the end of the game he was like you know like hey we, we noticed that that spin move that you had it seems like it's a new move in the arsenal he's like yeah i've been working hard all off season like this is my year and i felt like <laughs> yep. i felt so bad from one journalist to another i was like man that poor guy he's he's trying to be positive and talk him up but yep. mike is like yeah well you know clearly wasn't good enough to try and win the game and it's just like dude you had two sacks on on tom brady like cut yep. yourself some slack but for him he just he always wants to do more and i think that's why yep. you and and I appreciate his game. It's something that we both see, you know, down in and down out. I mean, he was running sideline to sideline, uh, trying to tackle Fournette, and he was like the only guy that was doing it. I was shocked. I was like, where's everybody else? Where's Micah on the rest of the defense? And maybe, like you said, maybe it's because everybody was just defeated by the end of the night. 
yeah. but I, I do think that going forward, Micah will probably like live at the top of this list. It just matters yeah. about like if anybody supersedes him, but I think that he's going to be number one for at least a little bit while longer. I agree. Yeah. 100%. I agree. I, I mean, Hey, 11, that's two ones. So maybe that's uh, a little foreshadowing that he'll be number one next week. Oh, I like least. it. I like ah, it. There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, before we sign off, I think we should just at least touch on a little bit of the Bengals game coming up this yeah. weekend. We know Cooper Rush is playing. We know maybe there might be another quarterback coming in. Mike McCarthy talked about that today where they're looking, apparently he had a list of quarterbacks uh, that, that, you know, he, they're going to contact or something, whatever he said, he had a list, whether or not they're doing anything yeah. with it. Um, who knows? But you know, we know Cooper rush is the guy just, if you had to say one thing from this game that you wish uh, or that you hope changes around for the next game, what would that be? No penalties. And I'm going to die on that hill. 100% I'm going to die on that hill. Anytime somebody asks me this question and there are penalties in the game, multiple ridiculous penalties like we saw this this last game, penalties. I don't want to see any more. And this is the second time I'm going on the soapbox today. So I'm sorry if you just if, if you heard girls talk, boys talk, and then you're coming here and you're hearing this. But I don't want to hear the word penalties in Dallas Cowboys. I don't want to hear those words in the same sentence anymore. I'm done with that. And, and I think the discipline needs to happen now. I think the ruler needs to be smacked down. I think something needs to happen. I'm sick of the penalties. I don't want any more penalties. So if anything will give me a gleaming glimmer of hope, it's going to be no penalties. I don't want to see any more. But what about you? Uh, I have to say one take that I had from last night is don't allow Tony Pollard to be the blocking running back on third down. I, I have... Yeah. I, that that I kept tweeting it out. I'm like, the first time it happened, I was like, just hey, don't do it. He's just not as good as Zeke. We know Zeke is a great pass blocking running back. Second time it happened, I'm like, all right, they didn't learn the first time. Third time, Dak was getting killed because uh, Devin White was coming through, blowing up Tony Pollard, and the poor guy. I mean, you know, I give him credit. He's sticking his nose in there. It's not like he's avoiding to you know not avoid the rush, but it, it's just. I don't know what they're doing. He's not the guy in that position. And so I just nope. want to see, I want to see more Zeke. And it, it's crazy because I know everybody's been saying, you know, Tony Pollard, this Tony Pollard, that I just uh, give me more. They Zeke. need to stop saying that. Show, they need to stop. <laughs> show me the run. Just dedicate to the run. You told us that this was going to happen. And, and believe yep. it or not, I know this to be true. If you run the ball a little bit more, it keeps the ball out of your quarterback to throw it to these so-so wide receivers. I mean, that might be rocket science to everybody else, but for me, it just seems pretty common knowledge. Um, but I don't know. Uh, you don't have any game prediction or anything like that? I know. Uh, <laughs> no, you know tough. what? I think it's a little too early in on the week. Um, I think my my honing in on the Bengals will really start for me tomorrow. And keep in mind, we're recording this Monday night, so Tuesday I'm going to I'm going to be out of my morning period of this game and I'm going to force myself to move on to the Bengals. I don't really have any predictions, but like you had mentioned before we started recording, these are two mad teams. Yeah. They both lost. They both have something to prove. The Cowboys especially. I mean, but come on. Joey B comes out of the Super Bowl and you lose your first game back. Not a good look either. But hey, I would much rather be in the Bengals position than the Cowboys right now. I'm just pointing that out. They, they both have something to prove. It's uh, it's really going to be interesting to see who shows up, but um, 
yeah. Any score predictions for you? I don't. I don't do score predictions. I jinx them, so I'm not gonna do that. But what about you? I don't know. I like you said. Uh, I was thinking about giving a score, but I think we might need to give the fans some time to grieve a little bit. Just you know, <laughs> relax. You know, don't want to yeah. cause any stress on a Tuesday. Um, you know, but I think <laughs> there was enough on Monday. Yeah. I, I have to say the the most positive thing to take away for everybody who's listening, who might be watching down in the future, you know, is that listen, the writer's block, we're here. Uh, our podcast is here. Jess is great. I'm great. You could take our words You're for great. it. Uh, you know, I could take my word for it. Uh, but, you know, listen, we're not the only podcast on the Blog and the Boys Network. We have joined a loaded cast of two podcasts a day. Isn't that unbelievable? People get That's double great. the That's action crazy. of Cowboys content. And you could hear Jess in the morning on the Daily Cowboys podcast, right? I mean, you, you, hopefully Every you day. will have positive things moving forward throughout the week. I try, you know, I try to start everybody's morning off very positive. Um, I'm just going to say maybe no guarantees for, for the rest of the week, depending on, on what happens, but I'm going to try, I will try so hard for you all. Cause I don't want to be the negative Nelly that like starts your morning off like that, but it's hard for us this week, but you're right. There's so many, so many good shows that come out every, every day on the blog and the boys podcast network. And we're lucky to work with such amazing and talented staffers. So the writer's block every Tuesday. You can bet on it. We're going to be here ready to go, giving you different perspectives from the game. Thank you so, so much for joining us for our debut episode. Brandon, I'm excited for what we have, my friend, and, and I think it's going to go really well. Hopefully we have a lot more positive things moving forward and that we're just not <laughs> a, a bad omen on the Cowboys. I don't think we are, but yes, I, I'm very no. excited. And like Jess said, I mean, we got a lot of fun things planned for you guys this season. So please stay tuned. Bye.